This is Copilot, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Here, we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinions on if it deserves more than just one shot. I'm Justice, alongside me is my co-pilot Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be, as promised, Angel by Joss Whedon, premiering on October 5th, 1999. So, Angel premiered on the same night as Season 4, Episode 1 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which, if for some reason you didn't know, Angel is a spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, also by Joss Whedon, where we follow the character Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wait, this is related to Buffy? Yeah, not the show, though, just the shitty movie before that that was ruined by producers and directors, not the writer. Okay, see, I thought there was a connection, but I just didn't see it. I'm joking, of course. Buffy is probably one of my favorite TV shows I've not finished. Uh, yeah. Angel is a spinoff, like you said. At the end of season three of Buffy, Angel leaves because he went on a killing spree because he got a, he lost his soul again. Which, in case you're wondering, no, we're not spoiling anything for you by telling you that Angel lost his soul. Or also that, hey, guess what? Angel's a vampire who was cursed by a bunch of gypsies after he turned their, like, chief's daughter or whatever into a vampire. No, he just ate her. No, no, no. It's the weird crazy chick who gets visions. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that part doesn't matter, no. He was cursed by gypsies, and he got his soul back. Because in the world of Buffy, vampires are actually just humans that have been bitten, and when they get bitten, they get inhabited by a demon. So Angel gets his human soul back, and is cursed. But, you know, then he sleeps with Buffy, and he has that perfect moment of happiness which we all otherwise known as orgasming and he gets cursed with the cursed stuff things and he gets his demon back so that's not spoilers that's actually just the first 10 minutes of the first episode of angel oh yeah we get a guy who shows up and explains all this to us his name is doyle he's a half human half something we don't know yet yeah but as to why we're getting this angel spinoff is well angel goes on his his whole i'm a demon again killing spree they end up turning him back but he doesn't want to endanger Buffy or her friends anymore. So just before Buffy graduates, well, actually just after, and before she goes to college, Angel says, peace out, I'm going to go and live in Los Angeles. And he does. He moves to Los Angeles. And that's where the show picks up. Yep. He, we, The show actually picks, us with, picks up with him kind of doing a little bit of expositing on himself and sitting in a bar pretending to be drunk. He's kind of narrating about Los Angeles and the people. And he's doing this all to this big bold black guy next to him and he's talking about Buffy and he's like you remind me of her you know cause you both have hair but he was just pretending to be drunk he is actually there spotting on a group of vampires who use this as their hunting ground yep because you know vampires can't get drunk in this world yeah and so he follows them out of the bar when they leave with their next mill ticket and we get a, a actually pretty decently choreographed fight scene which I expected Buffy the Vampire Slayer has good fight scenes. The camera's a little messy Most sometimes. Most of the time, yeah. It's, it's not that the fight choreography is bad. It's, sometimes they got some messy angles on those cameras. But the fight scene's really cool, and we get to see this cool weapon Angel has, which are essentially assassin blades that are stakes. Yep. And so he stakes these other vampires, delivering some witty one-liner. I don't remember what it is. It wasn't actually that witty. Angel's entire personality in this series, in these first two episodes, can be summed up as 
witty one-liners and depressed. Yep. That's his character. Which is pretty true to Buffy, so... It's definitely why I've always been kind of hesitant on watching Angel, because as a main character, that's kind of boring. Yeah. So, he saves these girls after going a bit vampy, which in the world of Angel and Buffy, when a vampire goes all fangs on you, their face gets all weird and distorted, so... We call that vampire face in the business. We do, but these people may not be part of the business. They might not know that. So the girls that he saves are all like, thank you, and they gotta like grab his shoulder, and he tells them to run away, because he's all vampire face. Yep. So, so then he stalks out of the alley with some nice surging horns behind him, and he's silhouetted against the lights in his long, dark, black trench coat. Yeah, he's that type of guy. It's an iconically 90s trench coat. All the, all the big heroes were wearing them. The Crow, Neo, Blade, all the big heroes in the 90s were wearing trench coats. Sadly, yeah, that was a bad lifestyle choice. So, after he saves these girls, he goes back to his, his place, which is kind of like partially underground, partially not. Well, no, his, his domicile is a basement flat underneath a small office that appears to be attached to a library. It's not attached to the library. He goes to the library via the sewers later. Oh, yeah, he, he has sewer passages to libraries. Sorry, my yeah. fault. So, he wanders into his basement domicile, and we meet Doyle, who has to point out, hey, it's dark, it's secretive, there's weapons. It's kind of like the Batcave. That will not be the end of the Batman references. They are quite fraught throughout this. To be fair, though, Angel is Batman. He's dark, broody, says witty one-liners, disappears into the night. I got some more comparisons coming up later. Oh, but, there's, there's quite a number. But yeah, he's just Batman. So Doyle gives, gives goes on a lecture. Not a lecture, it's a story time. He exposits. He exposits everywhere. All that stuff we mentioned at the beginning, that's what Doyle does here. He summarizes the entirety of the first three seasons of Buffy for you, in case you've never seen those. As well as the flashback episodes from Buffy, they give us Angel's origins. He was a guy. A really mean bad guy. And then he attacked gypsies and got cursed and became a really... Kind of broody good guy. And that's the first 15, 20 minutes of the show. Well, except for we also do get Doyle kind of explaining why he's there, which is he gets visions, and the visions apparently have kind of led him to Angel, and he wants to help Angel stop whatever these visions entail, and also he wants to make Angel relate and deal with the world around him and interact with it instead of just being the dark defender that this city needs. Not that the city needs. That it deserves. That it deserves, yes sir. Also my Batman voice is a failure in case you're all realizing it. I know. Doyle gives us some expositing. He's like, yeah, so I got this vision about this girl and she works at this coffee shop. Her name's Tina. She needs your help. I don't know how she needs your help or why she needs your help, but she needs it. Go stalk her. Why? Because I got a vision and I'm pretty sure my visions are from some all-powerful being. I don't actually know if it's good or evil, but it's an all-powerful being. We should go stop things. So, Angel goes and stalks Tina. And it's incredibly awkward. He doesn't know how to talk to people because he's 200 years old and just came out of a really rocky relationship. With a 17-year-old. Yeah. Let that sit in there for a moment. I hate vampire romances. They're always awkward and just creepy when you stop to think about them. So, he stalks this girl at the coffee shop, gets her name. They flirt a little bit. He flirts really badly. He stumbles through social interaction and manages to fell upwards because he's pretty. And so he ends up waiting for her to get done with her shift. And she comes out after work and, surprisingly and happily, looks like he didn't succeed. She's aiming mace at his face. She thinks he was sent by her ex-boyfriend, who apparently is some type of thug. His name's Russell. That's right, a thug named Russell. 
going to be my EP. Dropping in a few days. Guys, watch out for that. And so after convincing her that he's not with Russell, they end up going to a party together. Uh, her, her friend's throwing the party, and her friend owes her money. So Yeah, it also seems that her friend is a uh, networker. She's bringing in all these stars and people and other people in the business, producers, directors, and... Should be noted the reason she's going to little this mingling that she's going to this friend to get her money is because she's trying to get out of L.A. But why she isn't? But why is she in L.A.? Well, she comes from a small town in Montana, and she's a cliche of a cliche. That's right. She's a failed actress. She's a failed actress who's a waitress. Yep. Luckily, it's not a motel bar. Hotel bar. Oops. But so we get to this party. She disappears because she needs to go find her friend. Yep. And that leaves Angel to awkwardly awkward through the party. Which results in just this random guy walking up to him and telling him, You're an actor. He tries to protest, I'm not an actor. No, no, that wasn't a question. You're an actor. And he hands the guy a card. He hands Angel the card for his business. It was probably the most amusing moment in this episode for me, at least. Yeah, and then, hey look, Cordelia's at the party too. She's in the series. Which Cordelia is a character back from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She became an actually pretty central character in the first three seasons. Oh, yeah. She actually became really enjoyable. And then she's just gone after a messy breakup with Xander, another one of the characters. She comes back in a later season. But yep. for now, she's over on Angel, the B-show. Yep. She Smackdown to Buffy's Raw. She is the stereotypical, I want to be, or I am the head cheerleader. I'm rich. I care about cars and fashion. She used to be rich. Her parents lost all their money to the IRS. Turns out you got to pay those tax things. Just a little bit. Yeah. Anyways... He runs into Cordelia. They have a bit of a conversation. And this was the first moment of comedy in this show for me. She, when she walks off to leave, she says something like, Sorry, but I gotta go talk to real people now. Yep. And then the next kind of funny line there is, Angel's just like, It's good to see she's grown, grown up. Yeah. She's matured. Both of these were only funny in the sense that I kind of guaffed at them. Yeah, I didn't laugh. They're only even vaguely funny if you've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. If you haven't watched Buffy, this scene has nothing for you. Yeah, like... There's no plot development. The first 10, 15 minutes of the show, they really tried to be like, it's fine if you haven't watched Buffy. We'll explain all the important bits. They don't really explain anything about Cordelia. They kind of do when they catch up, but they don't explain her character or any actual growth that she had. So it's not that funny of a line without it. What what we know about Cordelia via the, via this show alone is that she knows Angel's a vampire. She knows Angel lost his soul because he boinked Buffy, and we know and she knows that he got his soul back. That's pretty much what she, what we know about Cordelia. Yeah, we don't even actually know if she knows that he broke up with Buffy. They don't mention it. She might just be trying to be nice and avoiding it, but that doesn't sound like a Cordelia thing if you watched Buffy. So who knows? That's up in the air. So, after Angel has this moment with Cordelia, by moment I mean a couple witty one-liners, which is Angel's character again, he runs back into Tina, he notices the guy she was talking to, the guy's name is Stacy, He's getting, he was getting a bit physical with her when they were talking, like pulling on her shoulder, an elbow, trying to get her to leave, so Tur- you know, Angel's a bit worried, Turns I out guess. Stacy's a goon, he works for Russell. Yep. So, they're talking, and they basically just decide, ah, it's time to go. So... Tina goes to get in the elevator and leave. Well, Tina and Angel get in the elevator. Oh, yeah. Sorry. And then they're getting out of the elevator. Two guys tackle Angel back into the elevator, and another guy grabs her and, and pulls her out. Tina gets nabbed by what uh, I dubbed from then on the long-haired Luke Wilson lookalike. 
I actually thought he looked like a young Neil Gaiman. Nah, long-haired Luke Wilson, man. Okay. All the way. Anyways, she gets kidnapped. Angel beats up the dudes in the elevator and then runs after her. She gets pulled into a car and they're driving out of the parking garage. And then there's this really weird gag where Angel jumps into a car that looks like his. It's a Corvette. Tries to start it. Not a Corvette. It's a convertible. Sorry. Tries to start it. Realizes it's not his car. Then looks over. And hey, there's my car. Gets in it. Chases them down and kind of forces them to crash. I just want to talk about that gag for a second because it had no humor. Like it had no humor. It was just randomly out of place. It, it, it didn't fit in the scene. Like we're, we're talking, we're, this scene's an important like action scene where he's trying to save this girl, and randomly he gets in the wrong car. We just stop all flow all of a sudden to try to make a joke, and I really do mean to use the word try. There, they didn't succeed. It was even mildly funny. I was just like, what did they sabotage his car? Oh. It's not his car. Okay. So then Angel gets his car started, plays chicken with them, with the with Stacy and his goon, and his goon squad, causing Stacy to veer into another car, and then Angel beats him up and takes Tina back. Yep. And then he takes Tina to the Batcave. Uh, it's his apartment, I think. Yeah, it's his basement domicile, which I'm from here on calling his Batcave. But sorry, I got ahead of myself real quick. Right before they get there, they, they leave the parking garage, and then we cut over to Cordelia in her shitty, rundown apartment, listening to a voicemail. And hey, what do you know? She's not a successful actress like she tried to lead Angel to believe. Everything she told Angel was a lie. She said she lived in a nice beachside condo in Malibu, and that she was a successful actress. I don't think it was all a lie. She did say she didn't have a private beach. I feel like she still doesn't have a private beach. No, because she lives on like the second or third floor. Exactly. No private beach. No private beach. But yeah, so she lives in this shithole apartment and we get that voicemail from some manager and she it's just that there's no new jobs. No one wants her anymore. It's fine. And then we cut back to Tina and Angel in the back cave. I don't think it's called voicemail. It's not. It's an answering machine. It's an answering machine message. Yeah. I'm sorry. I... My mind blanked there for a second. I was like, it's not a voicemail. Anyways, yeah, so she gets this message, and it's, it's her agent being like, hey, I can't find you any gigs. Nobody wants to see you. Please don't call me back. I'll call you. And then it cuts back over to Angel and Tina in the Angel Batcave. So they're talking, and, you know, she hasn't had the best of life since she came to Los Angeles. So she's just like, well, you saved me. I guess you get to fuck me. She has a really, really negative sense of self. Like, she's just like, oh, hey, you saved me. I guess that means we have to fuck now. She is the princess at the end of every video game that everyone seems to think what would happen when you save someone. That, that's not right, guys. That's wrong. Angel does the good, th- the right thing here, though. He's like, enough people are fucking up your life. You don't need someone actually fucking you when you don't want them to. Like, I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to help you for my benefit. Not really. So he does the he does the right thing, and she starts crying because he's being nice to her, and then they talk. And what do they talk about? Well, they talk about Russell. Russell, who from this conversation we we glean, is an abusive ex. One of his previous girlfriends has just disappeared off the face of the earth. Honestly, I didn't get the impression that they were ever like dating. It doesn't. It never really struck me as an ex-boyfriend type of deal, especially when she starts to describe it. Hill. It sounds more like a, you do this thing for me, and I'll help you with your business. It's so, never my ex-boyfriend is a creep or anything. It's like, 
He's ter- Russell's terrifying. Russell sends guys after people. If you're involved with him, you can't get away. Stuff like that. So he talks her. He talks to her about this stuff, and then she finally goes to sleep. Yep. And he there's a scene that cuts us to a library. It's really unclear how we got to the library. Yeah. But Angel's snuck into this library and researching away. And man, do those computer programs look like they're from the '90s? Which you know they are. So I give them that. It's fair. It's like they didn't have access to technology from the future. Oh wait. So he finds out that the friend Tina had mentioned had indeed been murdered, and that there's quite a few other people that can be kind of linked back that don't really seem like they exist anymore. And so we get a scene of him traveling through the sewers and coming Which, up through a hole I, in the floor. I missed that scene as you heard earlier. I didn't realize the library wasn't above where he lived. I was busy fetching alcohol at that moment. I was kind of bored. And so, what we know here is Angel's basement apartment connects to the sewers so that he can travel during the daytime. It's highly convenient, and I have no idea how much that costs in L.A. Like, that sounds insanely expensive. Yeah. And illegal. Yeah, it does. So, he gets back to his apartment. And Tina's having a nightmare because, well, she's been through some stuff, guys. And so he wakes her up and comforts her. And then she sees the note that Doyle gave Angel. Says her name. Where she works. works, The address of where she works. And she's just like, oh, you're a liar. You are with him. This is all just some sick game he's playing. So she runs up the stairs and goes to leave. And when she does that, Angel tries to stop her. But doing so, he goes into the sunlight. He catches a little bit of fire. He vampire faces at Tina. And she rightly freaks the fuck out. And runs home. To her apartment, which is definitely the safe and smart move. Where Russell is waiting for her, because guess what? He owns that apartment. He's, yep. he's not, but he's not on an apartment complex rich. He's a I own city blocks in LA kind of rich. Yeah. Mind you, she doesn't know right away he's there. She goes to pack her stuff up, and she's digging around one of her drawers when he says something. So she turns around and pulls a gun on him. And this scene, he's insanely manipulative, super manipulative. Super super gaslighty of her. He's like, oh, no, I didn't do any of that stuff. Denise went home. She her, said she wanted to go home. Your, fri- I, your friend Denise that, that, that you think went missing, she, she went home. I'm helping her with school. She yeah. just, I just talked to her yesterday. She said she wanted to go home. I paid for the bus ticket. I talked to her yesterday. She's going back to school, so I'm going to pay for that. So this scene establishes Russell as super manipulative, super gaslighty, and a vampire. Because he, he eats her. She's dead. Tina yeah. died. He gets her to lower the gun, and he gets her right next to her, and he's just like, and eh, now let's go all vampire face, and I'll consume your blood. I do want to point out here, though, it's not important for this episode so much, but Tina is a 20-something blonde, which kind of fits the description of Buffy. So just keep that in mind for the next episode, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be it's an ongoing thing throughout the series. I haven't watched the whole series, but it makes sense. Yeah. So then we cut to Angel running in, and he sees... Tina's just dead, you know, killed by a vampire. I have no idea how that happens. So he charges back to his bat cave to talk to Doyle. There's some time elapsed cuts here, like time has passed by, maybe yeah. a couple days. And after Tina's death, Doyle just becomes much more active in this thing with Angel. Yeah. So, so at this point, Angel's on the hunt. He's looking for Russell. His plan is to find Stacy and the Lucas... Luke Wilson look-alike to figure out where Russell is. And on the other side of this, Russell, who lives in a giant mansion... Because why wouldn't he? ...is watching video from that party that Angel and Tina were at. 
and catches sight of Cordelia. Well, specifically at first, he's doing that weird creepy thing and he's watching Tina because, man, she had something special, didn't she? As he says to his lawyer, who is behind him, informing him, you didn't know her, you haven't seen her in a week, you were in a board meeting when this happened. So, the law firm's covering up these murders. Which, for those of you interested, the lawyer is played by Christian Kane, also known as Elliot from Leverage and a lot of other stuff. He's a country musician. That's what I know him for. I love him. He's great. But, yeah, so this law firm's covering up murders, knows Russell's a vampire, and is just told, just in all the, on the whole thing. But it's this scene, though, where Russell lays eyes on Cordelia, and he's like, she, I want her. His lawyer's like, do you want us to like make her a long-term to asset? A long-term engagement, a long-term asset. And he's like, no, I'm just hungry. So Cordelia's his next mill ticket. We're ramping up the stakes. Angel needs to find Russell before Russell finds Cordelia. So <clears throat> we cut over to Angel just beating up the Luke Wilson lookalike, getting information. And then from there, we cut to Cordelia in her apartment getting a call from Tina's friend that hosted the party. Before she gets the call, though, it, this is one of the funniest scenes in the episode. She's sitting there, and she's doing this self-affirming meditation. You, people like you. Your, your positive aura attracts people. You don't need food. You're not hungry. You're not starving because you're a failed actress. And then her phone rings. It's actually one of the best hu- humor scenes in the episode. I guess. It wasn't for me, but I could understand the humor in it. So she gets that call from Tina's friend, and it's like, guess who wants to meet you? Russell Winters. And apparently, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's super important. So a limo is planning to come get Cordelia later that night. And we kind of just follow that. She shows up at his manor. Well, at the same time that we were jumping over to the manor, Angel's stock is, we- is weaponing up. He's arming up. He's filling his bag. He's grabbing his weapons. And Doyle's like, would love to help you. I got a Vikings game on tonight. But, you know, then, of course, I was like, what are you talking about? You're driving. And so Doyle gets pulled into this whole scenario as well. And so then we just cut back to Cordelia, yeah. Cordelia This next part's a lot of cut back and forth between what Angel and Doyle are doing and what Cordelia is doing with Russell. So we get just Cordelia and Russell talking, and it's just a lot of small talk. Like Cordelia oh. overshares, though. She's like, here's my life story and everything about me. Yeah, because she's so important. Because character growth from Buffy does not appear to have carried over to Angel. It's not character growth if it never happened. True. At this point, Angel arrives at the gate. We go back to Angel and Doyle, yeah. And also, fun fact, Angel's the one driving, not Doyle. Angel's a liar. Yeah, but Doyle's the getaway driver. He's not driving us there. He's driving us away. Angel just didn't clarify that originally. I guess. Still a liar, kind of. Although, I do want to point out one, like... It's a tiny piece of Buffy the Vampire Slayer angel trivia that is completely useless to the plot of the show, but I made note of it because it was actually kind of, like, interesting to me. Angel has personally been involved in 14 different wars in the Vietnam conflict, which was never a war because war wasn't declared. He does point that out. Wayne Doyle's like, oh, you look like you know what you're doing. Because, well, Angel does. So, yeah, Angel, 14 wars. Dude's been around. Yeah, so Angel and Doyle pull up. Angel gets out to talk to the gate guard. He's like, I think we're lost. And he's walking up closer. And then he just knocks the gate guard out. He does what he does to everybody. One punch, right in the face. And then he begins his infiltration by climbing over the wall and going to try to sneak into the manor. And ninja running along the wall. 
He doesn't do that. I mean, he runs along the wall. He doesn't ninja run. Okay, that was a lie, but he does run along the wall. Yes. Okay. So then we cut back to Cordelia and Russell talking. And Cordelia figures it out. Well, yeah, she figures it out. It, in this circumstance, at first being, acting is hard. Harder than she thought, and she's not great at it. And then she figures it out. She's looking around, and she's like, oh, there's no mirrors, and those are a lot of curtains and heavy curtains. You're a vampire. Which, if this is her, like, way to diagnose if somebody's a vampire or not, obviously I'm a vampire. Agreed. Do you see mirrors? There's there's one in the bathroom. There's but, no. But there, they're in a study. Why do you have mirrors? Why would you have mirrors in your study? And every window we have is covered because sunlight's evil, guys. Sunlight is evil. It gives cancer. We're vampires. I'm sorry to tell you, you'll never see us at a convention. You'll never see us live because that requires going out in sunlight. It does. It really does. So then they have this back and forth. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. It's not super drag out, but it's there. And then she closes the argument with, I know you are. I grew up in Sunnydale. We had a hell mouth of our very own, which... And then he's like, oh, well, that's good. Now I don't have to pretend. I'm just going to eat you. Which, though, that, that part does bother me. She just brings up a, a, what a hell... What, she brings up a hell mouth with no explanation of what that is. So if you're just watching Angels, what? What, what, what is a hell mouth? That's, that's fair, but, I mean, I like how suddenly, like... He went from, oh, you have, you're you're just being outrageous to, oh, you know what a hellmouth is. Guess I gotta kill ya. It's fine, I'm gonna do that anyways. Now I don't have to play with my food. As, but according to the descriptions from before and the way he was acting, he should probably be upset. I mean, he likes to play with his he's food. He's definitely upset, but he's just hung. He's more hungry than upset right now. Yeah. So Cordelia runs out of the room, and he's just about to bite her in the neck when. Power goes out. The power goes out. And he's like, what? And Batman shows up. Yeah. By Batman, at this point, we mean Angel. Fun fact from now on, we're replacing Angel's name with Batman and Angel's apartment with Batcave. And we're also going to stop referring to him and Doyle and soon to be Cordelia as the Bat Crew. Because it makes my life easier. So Batman shows up. Cordelia gets a witty one liner herself here where she's like, Oh, you don't know who he is, do you? You're about to get your ass kicked. And, uh, fun fact, Russell does not get his ass kicked. He gets punched, like, once, and then Angel gets shot. Several times. Multiple times. So he jumps over a banister into the main foyer, and they run out the front door. Meanwhile, we cut to Doyle, who decides, fuck it, I'm out. He hears gunshots, and he's like, mmm, yeah, it's time for me to leave. So he backs down and goes to drive away, and he's like, ah, damn it, I'm too good of a guy. So he turns around. And drives the car into the gate. The gate does not move. He, he drives this car, this really nice convertible, just floors it right into the wrought iron gate. Honestly, they're lucky it still works because yeah. he hit that thing hard. So then we cut back to the Batcave where Batman is getting the bullets removed by Cordelia. Cordelia is his nurse now. Yep. Or his Alfred. Alfred does the bullet removal. True. So after this scene, Cordelia is scared because Russell might be coming after her still. She tries to affirm herself that, no, nah, she just he just saw Angel. He's not going to come after her. Angel, oh, I'm sorry, Batman gets a grim look on his face. And then we cut to the next scene, which is Russell sitting in a boardroom with his lawyer talking, and his lawyer's like, no one's seen him, no one knows who he is, we're looking for him. And then Batman walks into the room. Yep, just walk right into the room. So Russell's 
lawyer walks in and is like, you're not going to do anything about this. He cannot. He has not been linked to, has never been proven of or convicted of a crime. There's nothing you can do about it. And if you try to do something, we'll drag you out into the light, which I hear is very bad for your complexion. So he hands him a card, and will just, sorry, Batman just looks at him, walks around him up to Russell. They have a brief talk. Russell's like, I can do anything I want. I pay my taxes. I make money. Nobody cares here what I do. I can do anything. So Batman, with his witty one-liners, goes, can you fly? And then kicks Russell and his chair out of the window. Through that nice plate glass window. And it's also daylight out. So I got a question. How did Batman show up? Sewers. Oh, so is this just the Los Angeles from uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, the video game where everything is connected by sewers? Yeah, it's like the sewer system in New York in, in Ninja Turtles. Everything is connected to the sewers. You can get anywhere you want. Via the sewers. So if you can't get to the main floor of a building, you can definitely enter its basement still? Yeah. Okay, I guess that works. And it's kind of like Santa Claus in that regard. Even if it doesn't have a basement, it does when you try to exit it. I'll roll with it. It works. Yep. So, Angel kicks him... Batman kicks him out the window. And then leaves. Uh, he doesn't leave yet. He, he has that witty one letter. Can you fly? And then as he leaves, he goes, I guess not. Yeah. Sorry. And then, before we cut away from the meeting room, we see his lawyer calling just someone, we don't know who, and he calls for an inter-office meeting, and he tells whoever else is on the line, no, there's no need to bother the senior officers yet, which seems to me to imply that this entire company is just filled with vampires or demons or whatever. It's a group of evil. Whoever could have guessed that corporations are filled with evil, blood-sucking demons. That's a fair description. So, after that, Angel returns to the Batcave, and we find out Cordelia has hired herself to work at Angel's, which is now some type of PI agency or something? Why is it a PI agency? Did Angel make this decision? Did Doyle talk about it? No. Cordelia just didn't have a job, so she took motivate. She, made- she had her own motivation, she took charge, and she made herself a job. And she made sure she was getting paid for it. Yep. So, now that Angel is running a private investigator agency, I guess that makes him a dick? Yeah. Okay. So, we end this episode with Angel standing on the top of a very tall building, looking out on it. And you want to know what? He's game. He's game to help this city. Because More, more Batman. Because he's Batman. He really is. And so then the music scrolls, and I did have a note here. The opening and closing music are both very derivative of Buffy, which makes sense, right? Like, it is a spinoff of Buffy. But it's just like it has more guitar. Yeah, it really just more guitar. It also has some more strings at the beginning of both compositions. It has some strings and then goes into a guitar bit. And it's a bit longer. The opening is actually so much longer than Buffy's opening that it almost felt awkward. Like, Buffy's like 30 seconds of opening and then you're in the show and... Angels was like 45 seconds to a minute at least. It just felt like it dragged for an opening. For a live action show opening. Actually, Buffy's is about the same length. I think you're just reading. All of Buffy's interstitial cuts they do in their opening are action-y. A lot of Angels are, here's this person's face. Here's this other person's face. I guess that's fair. Let's overlay Angel's face on Angel's face on Angel's face a few times. I guess that's fair. It just felt like it dragged more, which is weird to say of an opening. We also didn't get the opening of once in every generation. There is a girl. The Slayer dialogue opening 
is so iconic. It makes me happy every time I hear it. So my final thoughts after this first episode is, it's not bad. It's not good. I actually liked it. I thought... I was a little confused because I've always heard how bad Angel is. And while this isn't as good as Buffy, the episode rolls at a pretty decent pace. And after we get past that opening... After we get past that opening exposition, it snowballs pretty hard. It picks up a lot of steam. Although, I don't know if that's because we're living in a post-commercial world where we get to watch the 45-minute episode continuously. Because I think a lot of that pacing would have been cut by commercials. For me, it's just in Buffy. There were several Angel-centric episodes, and they were never my favorite. They were never ever close. I just, I don't think Angel makes a good protagonist. So at least he has Doyle and Cordelia, who, by the time she left Buffy, I liked Cordelia. She was a pretty good character. She looks like she got a bit of a reset in this. Not all the way, but a bit. Maybe she'll get better as it continues, and she'll be back to being in a spot where I like her. And Doyle, well, Doyle's alright. He's charming. He's got an Irish accent. It happens. Angel as a character isn't strong enough really to show. Even when they did his flashback episodes and his origin episodes, they really had to lean heavily on another character, namely Spike or Drusilla. But if we have Doyle and Cordelia to lean on, this show could be good, could be worth watching. And honestly, right now, after episode one, I'm down to watch Angel. Oh yeah, I'll watch more. It's just not going to be something I'm going to be excited for when there's a new episode. I'm going to be like, oh, hey, I don't have another episode of something on. I'll watch more Angel. Or, you know, because there's not new episodes, I'll just be like, I feel like binging something. Or like, oh, look, Angel's on my recently watched because I just watched it. I'll let it continue. Not too much else. Might play a game on my phone while I'm doing it. But it's there. Or, like, when I finally finish Buffy, whatever that is, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I really want to watch some more Buffy. But I've seen it all. Now there's a... I guess, not now. The show's been around for 20 years now. There's a Buffy derivative that isn't bad. Like I said, I've always heard that the show is bad, but it didn't feel that bad. It's just all right. And so that ends... That's our, that's our, that's our take on episode one, City of Angels. The first episode of the Angel TV show. It's watchable. It's watchable. It's actually borderline good. It's Boreanaz good. That wasn't a good joke. Um, that wasn't even bore. Bo- that wasn't even borderline good. Anyways, that brings you us to episode two, Lonely Hearts. And this episode opens with the Bat Gang, Bat hang- Crew, Bat Crew. Sorry, the Bat Crew hanging out in. The detective agency office. Well, actually, it starts with Batman sitting in a chair in the darkness. And Doyle's there. Doyle comes in and he's insisting that he and Batman should be out because it's Friday and Batman needs to interact. Plus, you know, Doyle kind of wants to hook up with Cordelia and he really needs Batman to be his wingman. Honestly, though, Angel's a little bit more honest about who he is than Batman is. Batman tries to put on this front about who he actually is, but Angel's like, no, I'm a depressed vampire and I want to stay in my in my dark place. Leave me alone. Okay, fine. I'm making corrections to this now, people. He's not Batman, he's Nightwing. Let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And so Angel is like, I really don't want to go out. I like the dark. I'm a vampire. We can hang out here. And then Cordelia comes in. Guess she wasn't here yet. She arrives. And, and she's got business cards that she calls calling cards because I guess that works. And here, the writers try to subvert the comparison to Batman we've been making for the last episode by making a joke about how they don't have a bat signal, so they need something to let people know who they are. They don't say bat signal. They just say, it's not like you have a signal they can shine in the sky when they need you. That's fair. They don't specifically say bat signal. Although, for me at least, this only strengthens my, my ongoing comparisons to Batman because they brought it to the forefront of my mind now. Yep, and this episode's filled with more of them. So... They're trying to, so they get the business cards from Cordelia. And they're trying to figure out what this tiny little picture of it is. And it's obviously an angel. And I don't know why it's an ongoing joke at the beginning of this show episode. And, and at the end. They and do. at the end of this episode, why people can't see what it is. It's obviously an angel. His name is Angel. He's the lead investigator, I guess. There was air quotes there because... So they guess stuff like owl, bird, other things... It, it's an angel, though. So Cordelia ends up, like, kind of elbowing Doyle, and he doubles over in pain. And then falls down and has a seizure. No. No, it is not. He has a vision. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah, that was a vision. Okay. Um, so what was this vision? Uh, the vision was of a really shitty bar that appears to be stuck in the 80s. But, you know, surely we have more to go on than that. He's, his visions are supposed to help him stop things. No, it, it's just the bar. No idea who needs help, who's causing trouble. It's just a bar. Which, this is actually in contrast to what he says his visions are in the first episode, where he says his visions give him a name and a face. And this one gives him a bar. Just a bar filled with people. Honestly, people. if I was Angel here, I'd be like, dude, I'm not going out with you. I get, like, this is obviously your way of trying to get me to come out. Yeah, this is definitely a ploy, man. I'm not doing it. Though I realize now, we did forget to mention something important about Doyle. Oh, Doyle, yeah. We find out he's a half-demon here. We found that out in the first episode, No, actually. no, we found out he was half-human in the first episode. And then he does, like, this face shift thing where he has all these spikes in his face. But they in don't the, say he's a demon in that They episode. don't say he's a demon, but in the first episode, his face goes all shifty. Classic Buffy demon makeup art for his face. Well, he could have been When some... Angel asks, you're not a vampire, what are you? He's like, you're not, and he says, you're not human. He's like, well, I'm well, half human. I'm human on my mother's side. I'm sorry, my Irish is terrible. Jesus. Please don't do that. I'm, I, I'm human on my mother's side. But I just want to point out here, he could have been something new. We don't know. Like, we got this, like, spiky face thing that they showed, but it was like a brief glimpse, and it could have been a new type of monster that's not a demon. It's a demon, though. He's half demon. Yeah. So, they end up going to the bar... Not surprisingly. And we get a cut, cut, cut to the bar. and Just a bit before they get there, because we have to establish the bar as a scene where bad, shady things are going on. And our cut focuses on this blonde 20-something, who is probably supposed to be a Buffy stand-in. Talking to this guy who looks a bit older than her. And a bit suspicious. Oh yeah, he just walks up to her, asks to sit when there's like several other open seats in the bar, but you know, that's yep. classic pickup artist techniques at a bar. Gotta flirt somehow. Yep. And he introduces himself as Kevin. She lets him sit, and they, they're both just talking about how it's so hard to meet people. It's really hard to meet that special person. 
Barbie and Ken didn't have it nearly this hard because they like to make that joke. And so while they're talking, we get the back, back, the back crew. crew. It pans up and we see the back crew coming. And we kind of lose focus on these two for a while. And the back crew decides to do that thing that you should always do and split the party. I mean, in this case, what's the oh, worst? Yeah, what's the worst that happens? It's not like this bar might be potentially filled with a monster or a demon. Or, you know, we got a large view of lots of people. I would immediately see my vision was about all of them. They're all either in danger, so it's a big, massive problem, or they are all the danger. I mean, to be fair, though, the worst that happens is a bar fight. But we'll get to that. Yeah. So, Angel splits off, and he walks up to the bar. And, you know, we don't get much here except for him asking if the bartender's seen anything weird or unusual or troublesome. And, you know, we get that classic, oh... I feel the need to define what trouble is to you so you can clarify if you have heard of what trouble is or have seen it. And the bartender still misinterprets it. He's like, nah, dude, don't worry. The hotties don't get here till, don't get here till 11. Yeah. So then we cut over to Cordelia, who's just wandering around. How did the bartender misinterpret that? That was the most weird interpretation I've ever heard of like that sentence. So He's like, it's going to be a thing in this episode, and I assume in the rest of the series. People just don't seem to understand Angel. But not really because he's out of touch with things. It's because he's too pretty. I'm not uh, joking. So, so we, we cut away from Angel here in a moment. But when we do end up cutting back to him, it's to see a guy walking away and Angel's line is just, I'm not hitting on you. Angel's just so plagued by being supernaturally pretty. I don't think David Boreanaz is that pretty. I agree. He's an attractive man. I don't think he's that pretty. So, like I was saying, though, we cut over to Cordelia, and she's just handing out these angel investigations cards in a really over-the-top manner, like, do you need help? Are you in need of rescuing? Do you have trouble? Can we help you? Give us a call. You look like you need help. That might just be your lazy eye. Honestly, this whole scene is vaguely upsetting because Angel's character is getting assassinated because he's not acting like Angel acts. And then Cordelia, who is the popular girl, who is also shown in Buffy to be a really good student of humanities. Like, she knows psychology, and and she she understands people. It's what makes her good at social networking and being the queen bee of Sunnydale. And she's just, like, incredibly awkward in this scene. And entirely atrocious at social interaction. So So Doyle walks up to her, and he's like, no, that's not how you do this. So atrocious, in fact, that Doyle has to go go and try and give her pointers on how to interact with people. Yep. He also points out, hey, don't be super over the top about this. We don't actually have a license. Angel is kind of a vigilante in this circumstance. He goes around, beats people up, kills the occasional monster, and also we don't have an investigator's license. Which actually comes up in the episode. Like, it does, surprisingly. So, when Doyle's trying to explain this to Cordelia, a couple guys that got her business card earlier come up and proceed to be... Well, no, before that... We decided to point out the fact that, oh, wait, it feels like when we were writing the first part of this episode, we forgot Cordelia is good at reading people. So she displays that skill quite well. And we don't look at that for the rest of the episode. It's just, that guy's this thing, this this, 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 and all these things about these people, which they go through and prove true with the people's actions. And so while they're having this conversation, some guys come up. And the guys proceed to be complete douchebags. But we'll get into that in a moment because we need to cut back over to see what Angel's doing. And he's failing at social interaction because, like I said, he's too pretty. But this time he's failing at social interaction 
but he's feeling upwards. He he trades names with this girl. They have a drink together. Her name's Katie. Kate. I'm actually wrong. It's Kate. It's Kate. Could have sworn it was Katie. And they actually have a bit of chemistry going on here. They talk uh, about meeting someone. It's important to point out here. She is also a blonde 20-something Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Insert. Yeah, she appears to be in her young 20s, which is quite admirable when we find out what her career is later. Does, doesn't she say what her career is here? Like, No, no, she does not. She, Angel, she dodges the question, yeah. that's right. Angel claims to be a veterinarian. Which is the weirdest thing he could have said. Like, I assume he's had like some professional thing here. He could even just say, I'm ex-military. It's entirely true. We know he fought in 14 wars in one conflict. He's also really good at hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, that, that would have been the best answer. Or like, even a historian. He's usually at cover before in Buffy. And really, so many vampires and ancient beings and things should use that cover more. So, because it works really well when you've actually lived through things. Yeah, they have. So they have this chemistry going on, and she eventually asks him if he wants to get out of there, go someplace quiet. And, and he's like, he says, "No, I have to stay. I have to stay." Uh, like, which is kind of like the worst response you could give, right? Like, yeah. and then they just sit there awkwardly for a moment. The camera lingers, and then we cut back to Doyle and Cordelia. And the guys that walked up to them earlier are accusing Cordelia of being a prostitute. The guys that the main guy of the two is asking if the car, if the number on the card is like her number, and if he can like call her later. He doesn't talk like that, but that's what all two bros sound like in my head. And she points out it's a business number, and he continues to press. Doyle he calls inter- Doyle her pimp. Doyle intervenes, so Doyle must be her pimp. Yep. And Doyle's trying to de-escalate everything, trying to calm Cordelia and these guys down. He says, violence isn't the answer. And then he headbutts the guy. But sometimes it's just so festive. I like Doyle. Doyle's a good character. So they end up brawling for a bit and Angel comes flying in to help Doyle. And in another scene of Angel being otherworldly attractive, after the fight ends... Angel, who has not been hit once and only showed up the very tail end of the fight... And Doyle, who is holding his eye because he just got bashed in the face. Angel was approached by another girl at the bar, asking if he's okay. Of course, though, Doyle responds first, yeah, I'm fine, but, you know, he just gets snubbed. She walks right past him. Doesn't even look at him. I don't think she saw him. She was too attracted to Boreanis. He just radiates attractiveness, apparently. And they find nothing here. Yeah, Angel talks to this girl for a bit. And he keeps looking at Kate in the background, and then Kate just bells because here's this guy she thought she had a connection with, and he's off talking to this other girl, laughing, having fun. She's like, fuck it, I'm out. So then we cut to Kevin, that guy talking to that girl at the beginning of the scene here, and her. It's post-coitus, they're laying there. And at this point, still pretty sure Kevin's the bad guy. Yeah. So the girl's just like, I need to go. And Kevin's like, well, can I just hold you for a moment? And so he holds her, and then we cut to the morning. Well, no, we don't cut to the morning right away. My bad. We cut to the back crew, talking about why they went to the bar, and how they really failed at finding anything, and also, man, Los Angeles sucks. Yeah, they just try to reaffirm that multiple times in this episode. Los Angeles is bad, and they tried to reaffirm it in the last episode. I feel like the writers here have something against the city. I don't want to be rude to any listeners we may eventually have from L.A., but... Are they wrong? Everything I've ever heard paints L.A. as a pretty awful place. The same thing goes for New York every time I hear it, man. Yeah. So, L.A. is an awful place. And then we come back to Kevin and the girl. And we 
pan in from their window and we see messed up bed. We see the girl starting to get ready. She's wearing a very different outfit from before. Before she was just kind of like a bookish, stereotypical nerd type. Now she's dressed up and... Like a pink tube top, short shorts, some strappy high heels. And Kevin's dead. Kevin's just laying there. Kevin's dead. There's blood all over the bed. And His face looks kind of molted like he's been sitting there for a while, which we know it hasn't been like over eight hours at most. And so I was wrong. She's not a Buffy insert. She's the monster. Blonde girl's a monster. Can be both. I mean, Angel's a vampire. Buffy's a vampire slayer. The slayer is kind of like the monster for monsters. That's fair. Maybe she's more of a Buffy insert now. Exactly. Good argument. Um, so, we get some more investigation. They're back at the office, and they're digging through papers, and the news, and everything, trying to find more people linking to this bar that they went to. So they find a missing girl flyer, and a file about a dead guy who's been eviscerated. And they both link back to the bar called Dealblink. Which is the bar they were at the, the previous night. Which we didn't know the name of until now, anyways. So, Angel has them start researching... Demons that are known to eviscerate. And this is where we find out that Doyle and Cordelia are the new Xander and Willow. I mean, I feel like Cordelia is just the old Cordelia because she got relegated that job last time too. That's fair. So they go to research and and Angel goes back to the bar. Where, right on side of, he meets Kate from last night. And he's like, I feel really bad all about last night. That was a bad thing to do. I'm sorry. But uh, also, don't go in there. Things are going to be bad. Do not go in the bar. And she's like, yeah, but where are you going? Uh, in there. And so... She's like, tell you what. I can go wherever I want. And this is probably what my favorite lines from the episode is. I can go wherever I want, and you can go to hell. And she walks off, and then Batman gets a one-liner. Been there. Done, done that. that. Yep. Because when he got his whole demon thing back in the first... Back in Buffy... When the demon took over, his human soul was sent to hell. Yep. And now he's... gets Now he's just the witty one-liner guy who makes dark brooding statements. So he goes in the bar after her. He sees Kate at the bar, and he sits on the opposite end of the bar. And next to Kate, we see the girl from The Night with Kevin, who I think they said her name at some point in the episode, but I missed it. It's Karen Reichler. Well, I know they say it now, but... Oh, oh they said Karen earlier. The yeah. right part is an important yeah. part of the scene, though. So we see Karen talking to this guy, and the guy's just like, oh, I was a geek in high school. I have never dated anyone. And she's like, my job makes it so hard. I don't believe that. You could have your pick of any woman you wanted. And then... We cut to the other end of the bar. Where Angel's sitting there talking to the bartender, and this dude who was friends with Kevin comes up, and he's, he's like, like... Hey, bartender, have you seen Kevin? He didn't come to work today. Bartender's like, nah, he went home with that girl, that blonde girl down there at the end of the bar. Well, first he says he went home with Karen. Karen. And there's like the dowdy girl. And then they go on about how Kevin can do better than her. She's not the greatest and blah, 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 blah. Just because we got to bash on people and how they look. So, And Angel's suspicious because Kevin is just missing. Yeah. And so he's like, who is this girl? What's her name? What's her last name? So Bart- he gets Karen. And then before the guy walks off and leaves, he's like, Reichler. Yeah, the bartender's like, there's not a lot of last names in a place like this. And then Kevin's friend is like, her last name is Reichler. Don't let the bartender stonewall you. Yeah. So Angel walks off, and we lean on that shot for a moment. The bartender looks at Kevin's friend with a question, lean look, and the guy's like, I tried to pick her up a few times. The question obviously being, how do you know her name? She's like, I tried to pick her up a few times. 
So Angel walks off, and he's digging through a phone book attached to a payphone. And those L- were a thing. An LA phone book yep. attached to a payphone. Now, of course, there's miraculous magic going on here, which be- makes be- sense because in like ten seconds, he finds the page that has her name and address on it. So he runs there. I just want to point out while we were watching this episode, and I had the benefit of the internet. I did a quick search on um, Google White Pages. Yeah. For Reichlers in Los Angeles, and there was only like forty of them. It would have took more than. But like, how many of them were Reichler K? Doesn't matter because I had access to their first names and phone numbers. He didn't have access to their first names. Most phone books don't have their full name listed. Yeah, I know. And he's just like, oh, this is her address. Pulls the page out and runs off. I know that it's for storytelling purposes, but it's really like. Yeah. So then we cut over to Karen and the guy she just picked up at the bar. She's trying to comfort the guy because it didn't last long. Premature ejaculation. Yep. It's a problem. So then they spoon and everything, and she's the big spoon. And we see this weird thing launch out of her stomach and start to dig into the guy's back. And then she's dead, and he's the new monster. Yeah. We get Angel showing up just as the guy finishes putting on his shirt, and we see the parasite kind of squirming underneath his skin there. So, of course, the monster has to dialogue about how it's just trying to find the right person. Very much like these people are trying to find the right people to date and love and marry and have kids with and 2.5 children. And a white picket fence. And a dog. No one likes cats. So Angel gets in a fight with nerd guy who is now possessed by a demon. And nerd guy gets away. Why does nerd guy get away, though? I I don't know. You're going to have to fill me in. He he just slams Angel into a wall of glass. I was still still trying to... I was still trying to find Karen Reichler in Los Angeles. It's just, this fight is choreographed well. And the thing he's fighting is pretty strong, but none of these blows are anything near like what we've seen Angel take. Like The thing that stops him from catching the guy is he gets smashed into a glass cabinet and then thrown into a corner. And he takes forever to get up from that. And then the guy's just gone. He goes, well, he took like a minute to stand up. And he gets up and is standing in the doorway. And there's the dead woman on the bed. And Kate walks in. Why? She's a cop. Actually, she's a detective. Which is incredibly, incredibly awesome. Seeing as she's like 24, 25. Yeah, like I said, it's really admirable. You have this young woman who is already a detective, which... In the LAPD, one of the most competitive police departments in the the nation. It's really hard to get to detective there. And she's a woman in the 90s. In the late 90s, like, she's put in a lot of work, like... I'm legitimately, like, shocked and also kind of down. I'm like, that's awesome. And, but obviously, as much as we're congratulating her, obviously she thinks Angel's the killer. Which, I mean, it's probably part of the reason why she made detective. She's good at putting together two obvious things. Dead body? Dead body, creepy guy from bar. Look at that. One plus one is two. Angel's a murderer. And, you know, she's not actually wrong. Angel is definitely a murderer, except all of his murders are cold cases now. Um, except for the vampires he's recently murdered that have actual social security numbers and things. They're already dead. They don't count. He's a murderer and a re-murderer. <laughs> Anyways, so... She goes to handcuff him. They fight a bit. She handcuffs him, and then he, he does a spin kick into her head and jumps out a window. And calls Cordelia and Doyle, and they all meet up at Cordelia's place. Which is not 
the previously established beachfront Malibu lodgings that she said she had. Instead, it's an actual shithole. Oh, it's horrible. Also, Cordelia has not kept up with cleaning. Why? She's used to maids. So, there's clothes here and there. There's a bowl with some leftover cereal and milk just sitting on the floor. That's disgusting. Leaving milk out. Jesus. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. So, it does turn out, though, that Angel does still have to help a 20-something blonde Buffy insert in this episode. You know. She just happens to be the police detective, not the woman from the first scene, or or the, or the, or the woman that we thought was the monster. Yeah. So. Which was the woman from the first scene, minus the fact that she was now a monster. Angel shows up to Cordelia's place. They explain everything. Like, legitimately, he just explains everything. They don't do anything else, really. And then, well, they don't do anything else besides really ex- joke about Cordelia's poor living positions and not ask anything about how her life's actually going and why things are like this. Well, I mean, he does do them a favor. He's like, don't worry, it's not an eviscerating demon. It's called a burrower. And she makes a comment about something else, and I didn't quite understand the joke there. Because We didn't see any donkey demons, because she thought he said burrow. That, still... That's the Spanish for donkey. Oh. Yeah, funnily enough, like burrito, you add ito to make things smaller. It basically sounds like a small donkey. I don't, I don't understand some things, man, but a burrito is a donkey. I totally didn't yeah, understand no. the joke. I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? Yeah. He said no. burrower, not donkey. But yeah, so... So then we just get a lot of small scene cuts and transitions here of Angel hunting, the burrower going on dates, and Kate, Kate investigating his place without a warrant. And Kate hunting Angel. She doesn't immediately go to his place. But yeah, but we do see her at his place without a warrant. At this point, I was like, man, if she opens the refrigerator, we know she's a reoccurring character because she's going to see all the blood in there. She does. For some reason, Angel's out of blood, conveniently. Which we know he keeps in his fridge because we saw Doyle look at it in the first episode. When he was looking for a beer. Yep. It's really it's really convenient that there was no blood in there. If there had been, this Kate-Angel relationship could have been like an arc for the entire first half of the season. It really could have been. But we finish with all that stuff and Angel returns to Cordelia's. He's going on about how strong this thing is and how they're going to need help. So, who does he call? Kate. That is right. And he's like, hey, I know you think I'm a murderer, but if you don't trust me, just bring a bunch of snipers and shiz. Meet me at the bar that we met at at 7 o'clock. And if you don't trust me, bring guns and snipers and whatnot. Yeah. So that we cut to the bar, and there she is, sitting at a table, waiting for her to show up. The bartender walks up, and he's like, you want your usual? And she flashes a badge, and he's like, Oh, mm. that's not your usual. And so she's like, that dude that I was talking to the other night, you see him come in, let me know. So she's there, and then we get a kind of creepy guy walking up. It's a bait and switch. It is a bait and switch. The dude walks up. We don't know who the brewer is right now. So this guy walks up, and he's hitting, hitting on, on her, her, and he's like, don't you hate places like this? Which is which is an exact line the brewer used earlier. Yeah. And so we're, we're supposed to believe that this guy's the brewer, but... Then the bartender comes back, and he's like, hey... That guy you were talking about was in the alley looking kind of uh, floody. And she's like, sorry, I gotta go, bruh. Keep trolling elsewhere. And heads to go find David. None of that dialogue is the correct way. Nightwing. Yeah. So she's walking in the back room. And she goes to hand the bartender a car and tells him to call the lieutenant. So he takes it and then picks up a bottle of wine and just smacked on the back of the head with it. Was it a bottle of wine? I think it was a bottle of wine. It looked like it. Okay. So he smacks from the back of the head. And then Angel is there and gets in a fight with the bartender. No. No? No, not at first. At first, because we know this thing transfers by 
jumping into other people's body post-coitus or actually post-exchange of fluids. I, I want to clarify real fast. Th- at this point in the episode, I was kind of bored. No, we get this very not good moment here because what we've been told about how this thing moves from body to body is it's post-coital because it needs an exchange of bodily fluids. So the bartender rips open the detective's Detective Kate's shirt and is kind of leaning dangerously close over his body, over her body with his whole body when Angel shows up. Yeah, so... It it comes across as really rapey, but then from later scenes, it doesn't seem like it needs, like, actual sex, just, like, some exchange of fluids. Well, it's also really desperate right now because its flesh is literally rotting. Well, it's not right now. It is when Angel pulls it off. It's got the skin flab. So... Like he said, he wasn't paying attention. So, just before Angel comes in, it goes to launch its weird, normal parasitic form into Kate. Angel comes in and knocks the guy off and knocks it off and stops. So it retreats back into its abdomen. And it's I, whenever I, it splits that it starts to decompose the corpse it's in already. Okay, and I did. Know, I did. I was watching for this scene because it split open the bartender's chest to jump into Kate, and then Angel interrupts and it jumps back into the bartender's chest. And the chest just seals up perfectly. No no cuts, no lines. Yeah, it, it, it seals back up. Some pretty high-level magics there. It's like... It's a demon, man. It has magics. That's fair. Then, bartender and angel get in a fight. They're fighting it up, duking it out. Good choreography overall. Buffy and the show have both had good choreography, like, every time I've watched it. But we know from the previous exchange, the burrower is much stronger than angel, and manages to throw both angel and Kate into the cellar where they store their alcohol. Yeah. And then locks the door. Yep. So, they're looking for a way to get out. Angel tries to knock down the door a bit. I don't think he's trying all the way. He could knock it out with super strength. But, you know, there's a random human in there with him. I mean, that doesn't matter in a moment because, well, it doesn't. But while they're doing this, the bartender's going around. He's got blood on his chest from where his chest popped open. Yep, and he's just desperately hitting on me. And he's got the skin flap hanging on his head. Yeah, he's kind of pushed back like you would push back your hair. And he's just, like Justice, like Justice said, desperately hitting on any woman he sees, trying to get them to cuddle with him. Yep. So then we cut back into the basement with Angel and Kate. And, and he looks up at a tall, tall window, like 20 feet up. He's like, we'll go out there. And she's like, how? And he pulls out a fucking grappling hook. Because he's literally Batman. And now, instead of using the grappling hook to climb up the window, which is what I thought he was going to do. Yeah, you know, like, shoot up to the ledge of the window, pull it tight, and then climb up that way. He grapple hooks a beam and then just pulls it out of the ceiling. I think he was trying to swing on it, but it just pulls right out. And then they use the beam to climb up the wall to get out the window. Yeah, no, they don't. The detective shoots the lock on the door. Oh. She looks at him, sighs, and shoots a lock on the door with her gun. Yeah, so... So they rush out of the bar after the bartender, and then they split up out the entrance. And then the bartender, we see grab a woman, and he's running down an alley... And Angel gives chase. Yep. And then there's an alley fight scene, and there's a hobo fire trash can. And we know from earlier, Cordelia mentioned that the burrower, we got his name, I don't remember what that was, doesn't like fire. Which Angel at the time replied, well, neither do I. Well, actually said, well, something we have in common. Yeah. So they get in a fight, and it looks like the burrower's gonna win. And Angel kicks it backwards into a can of fire. Just knocks it over. Into the hobo fire trash can. And... This trash can spills over, spills fire all over the bartender, and he just goes straight up in flames. He is straight on flaming man. Yeah. And he's trying to, and he's running at Angel. Well, he's Angel's stumbling the, painfully at Angel. And Angel's laying on the ground, and the bartender's going to try to give Angel a hug. Not to move the demon, but to kill him with fire. Yeah. 
And then we hear a gun go off several times, and Kate has put down the demon. And the demon's dead, and it just was very convenient that the demon was in the bartender when it died, because the bartender had connections to everybody that was died at, died at that bar. Yep. Angel and Kate are talking about everything at the end of it, wrapping it up. She admits to illegally searching his place, because, well, that's what they should do if they want to have, like, a relationship in the future, a working relationship. I think she wants a relationship relationship. Everyone does. It's because he's so pretty. Yeah. And then... She gets her attention distracted by another police officer. Well, not before we get the call back to what is on this calling card. He hands it to her and says, if you ever need me, just call. She's like, what is this, a lobster? It, it looks nothing like a lobster, guys. And then he grabs it back. She gets called by another officer. So she turns around and then he disappears into the night. Because when, again, yeah, when she turns back, he's gone. He's, he's literally Batman. Yep. So then we cut back to the office for our final scene. It's Angel talking to the rest of the Bat crew, saying that, hey, they should go out. He's Yay, stu- character he, development. He's stumbling over his words, though. He's like, yeah. uh, it's Friday. We should, um, you know, go, go somewhere, go, go out. Go out, like, as a group. Yeah. And they, they say no. And Doyle and, and Cordelia are like, or we could just go home. Yeah. And Angel, who had just shown a moment of character growth, was like, immediately pulls back and like, Yes, the darkness. Turns off the lights in the office, drops down in his chair, and sits there. Yeah, we close the show on the same as we open. It's just him sitting in the office in a chair facing the camera at the beginning and at the end. So it bookends well, at least. Yeah. I'm still 100% convinced that every episode going forward is going to have a blonde 20-something woman that is highly involved in the episode because we have to continually remind Angel about Buffy. Of course. He can't be allowed to forget Buffy. He can't be allowed to move on. I'm not going to lie. I was actually really disappointed at a point in this show. Because when he said he was going to call for help, I was like, is he going to call, like, Giles? Oh, dude, if Giles, had made, a, help, if Giles like, had made a guest appearance in episode two of Angel, yeah. this show would have done so much better in ratings. For those unaware, Giles is another main character from Buffy the Vampires. He's so good. I his, love him His so job much. in that show is basically just to know everything humanly possible about the paranatural so i was really hoping for giles at least like phone conversation but my final thoughts on this show is it's pretty good it's not nearly as good as buffy but it's still pretty good but my main thought here at this at the end of this episode is man if dc had just gotten their stuff together quite a bit sooner david boreanaz would have made a great batman and a pretty good bruce wayne yeah he would have that's actually a very fair point for me though I like Angel. It's not bad. I, I've, I've been led to believe via everybody I've talked to who's been a fan of Buffy, my friend that introduced me to Buffy, and a bunch of other people led me to believe that Angel was not good. At least these first two episodes, I liked it. So, in conclusion for this episode, we've got one that's good, and we've got one you can watch it. I will finish it at some point after I finish Buffy. I've been watching Buffy for five, six years now, so it might be a little bit. But he's decided to take the time to basically buy all of it instead of watching on streaming services. I really like the bonus features, okay? Oh, don't get me wrong. Joss Whedon is a great director and writer, and I love his bonus features. Yeah, so Angel, it's watchable. It's good. Yep. So this has been Co-Pilots. Thank you for flying with us. And next time, well, you'll find out when you listen to it. We're not going to tell you. We only told you about Angel because we wanted to make sure you knew... That we weren't an anime podcast. Which we're not. Surprise. I mean, unless Angel's an anime. No, it's not. Oh. 
Angel's not an anime, and we're not an anime podcast. And if you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. Again, that's copilotsreview at gmail.com. There's a convenient little button on the Copilots site. Yep, and you can also reach us at Copilots Review on Twitter. That you can. Or, like Justice was saying, that website, copilotsreview.simplecast.com. Which it has these two little convenient buttons up top, one for email and one for Twitter. And again, that's copilotsreview.simplecast.com. In addition to that, coming soon, at the request of you, a Discord community. So keep an eye on our Twitter for that announcement. This has been Copilots. Thank you for flying with us, and please fly again.